0: We're going to have scripture reading in Spanish, and then English, or vice versa, whatever they decide. Um, Welcome, Hannah.
1: Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him? And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead give of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The oh,
2: yeah. español yeah. Padre, del Hijo, del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Y aconteció es en, en Lucas 11:1 al 15. Y aconteció que estaba Jesús orando en un lugar y cuando terminó uno de sus discípulos le dijo, "Señor, enséñame a orar, como también Juan enseñó a orar a sus discípulos." Y les dijo: Cuando reis decir así, Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre, venga tu reino, hágase señor su voluntad, como en el cielo así también en la tierra. El pan nuestro de cada día, danoslo hoy. Perdona nuestros pecados, porque también nosotros perdonamos a todos los que nos deben. Y no los metas en tentación, líbranos del mal. Les dijo también. ¿Quién de vosotros tiene un amigo y va a él a medianoche y le dice, amigo, préstame tres panes, amigo, préstame tres panes porque ha venido a mí de viaje y yo tengo que ponerle delante. Dice aquí, respondiendo dentro, le dijo, no me molestes, la puerta ya está cerrada y mis niños están conmigo en cama. No puedo levantarme y dártelo. Os digo que aunque no se levante a dárselos por ser su amigo, sin embargo, por su importunidad se levantará y le dará todo lo que necesite. Yo os digo, pedid y os dará, buscad y hallaréis, llamad y se os abrirá, porque todo aquel que pide recibe y el que busca haya y el que llama se le abrirá. Qué padre de vosotros, si su hijo le pide pan, le dará una piedra; o si pescado, en lugar de pescado, le dará una serpiente; o si le pide un huevo, le dará un escorpión. Pues si vosotros, siendo malos, sabéis dar buenas dádivas a vuestros hijos, ¿cuánto más vuestro Padre celestial dará el Espíritu Santo a los que se le piden? Amén.
0: Well, that's a sermon. You all can go home now. (laughs) Pray with me. Father in heaven, God of all grace and mercy, we thank you for this morning. You didn't have to get us up, but you did. And we are not here by chance. We are here by your sovereign hand. And so, Lord, would you bless this hour and this moment Would you open our hearts to hear and to understand your word in such a way that it does not land on deaf ears, but that it conforms and transforms us into the image of Jesus. Father, may we leave rejoicing in his name, celebrating his praise, and being thankful for what he has done on our behalf. Bless your preacher this morning. Speak through me. May it be your words and not mine. I have my flesh behind the cross. I access according to your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. And the saint said, amen. anybody ready for the word of the Lord? Yes. Amen. Amen. As is her role as a police dispatcher and call taker, Bundy answered the call and rendered help where it was needed, but her caller presented an unusual request. You had a bad day at school, said the boy on the other line. She asked the young boy on the line, I'm sorry, she asked the young boy on the line, Yeah, I just called to tell you that. Nine times out of ten, such an admission might be met with a scolding for wasting police resources. But for Bundy, something seemed different enough to take a different tack. When he told me he was having a bad day, and I asked him what was troubling him, he told me, that he had homework. Maybe you don't remember being in that position, but a homework will get you sometimes. Homework will make you lose your mind. I'm so glad I'm done with school, but I didn't again. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> I may have to call 911 one day. Bundy explained in a local TV interview, and at that point, I was able to determine that it was more of a I-need-help-with-homework than an actual emergency. Fortunately, Bundy was cheerfully up to the task. I've always been good at math, said Bundy. All the way through high school, I enjoyed it. So it was something I was very happy I could help him with. Bundy walked him through an arithmetic problem, calling it a nice break in her busy day. As it turns out, her decision not to scold the child paid off as he seemed to be aware that his problem did not qualify as an emergency. I'm sorry for calling you, he said, but I really needed help. Bundy responds, You're fine. We're always here to help. I asked you this question this morning. Why did the boy call? He he reached The end of himself. The end of his own wit. He needed someone greater than himself. To help him. He called on the greatest help. He could think of. Which was 911. This little boy teaches us something this morning. At some point. You have to realize. That you can't get through everything on your own. At some point. You have to realize that you got human limitations. At some point, you got to learn to call on God. But friends, prayer is not a last resort. It is not something that we run to only in emergencies. We ought to run to God daily. MC Hammer said, we got to pray just to make it today. Oh, y'all don't know who MC Ham is. Okay, okay, we in church. I see how we doing it today, okay? But I'm coming to your household any, anyways. Friends, sometimes we need to just ask for help. Sometimes we need to just pray. Old folks used to say, Jesus on the main line, tell him, Come on, somebody. Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't just matter if you make the call. It matters who you're calling who's the call going to. It doesn't just matter who you're calling. It matters about the name of who you're calling. We got to call on the name of Jesus. But how do we learn to pray? What what does God require of our prayers? If I pray for something one time, is that enough? Y'all know how we are. Lord, I prayed for it yesterday. I expected for it to show up today. I prayed about this problem the other day. I expect this problem to be gone by now. But how do we learn to pray, friends? I love the way that H.B. Charles puts it. He says, Christian living always flows from Christian truth. So one does not best learn to pray by studying prayer, but by studying the God who answers prayer. Let me say that one more time. I don't want that to fly by you. Christian living always flows from Christian truth. So one does not best learn to pray by studying prayer, but by studying the God who answers prayer. Indeed, we see in the gospel of Luke, like no other gospel, this is how Jesus' disciples learn to pray. But why did I choose the gospel of Luke to talk about prayer? Luke's gospel has more emphasis on prayer than any other gospel. In fact, Luke has been called the gospel of prayer. Because of his emphasis not only on our need to pray, but also on Jesus' prayer life. Nine times Luke tells of prayers that Jesus offered in the crisis of his life. Who better to model your prayer life after than Jesus? I know your mama can pray, and I know your daddy can pray, but can't nobody pray like God can pray. If anyone could teach us to pray, it would be the one who knew God the most. And who would know God like God. Let me pause here parenthetically just to say you do know that Jesus is God in the flesh. Disciples were impressed by Jesus' prayer life, and we see this quickly in our text. But before we dive into our text, let me give you some more context. Jesus has just been questioned by a Torah expert on eternal life. You know that when Jesus came here on earth, he was challenged quite often by his enemies. And the funny part is he was challenged the most by church folks. Can you believe that? Jesus challenged by preachers. Jesus challenged by priests. Jesus defines authentic spiritual life through the story of the Good Samaritan. Authentic spiritual life, friends, is not how much you come to church. Authentic spiritual life is not about the clothes you wear. But authentic spiritual life is defined by love for God and others. By the high priority of God's presence in the prayer. The priority of prayer. Friends, listen to me well and lean in. A healthy spiritual life must consist of healthy prayer. Friends, I promise you, you won't be walking this Christian walk long if you're not praying. Prayer is the oxygen to your spiritual life. The disciples clearly saw this in Jesus. What I love about our text this morning is that before Jesus tells them how to pray, it shows us that Jesus was actually a prayer. Jesus actually prayed himself. Jesus would walk it like he talked it. Come on, somebody. Jesus had his orthodoxy and his orthopraxy in line. Jesus didn't just say pray. Jesus got on his knees and prayed himself. And you know that if Jesus had to pray, you know your sinful self need to pray. I love this passage because it starts with... Giving an example of the Savior. Friends, can you imagine though being able to witness Jesus praying? Mm, mm -mm. Let that sit on you for a minute. Man, to see Jesus praying. Man, Jesus had to be freaked out sometimes. He probably was praying and opening his eyes and folks all up in his face, watching them all up in his mouth, like Jesus. Let me get a little bit of that prayer on me, brother. I mean, Jesus had that kind of prayer life that was attractive. He had that kind of prayer life that you felt the presence of God all around him. Jesus was a prayer warrior. Have you ever prayed until you sweated drops of blood? No, ain't none of y'all never prayed that long, have y'all? You talking about drops of blood, we go drifting off to sleep. Now me lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. Before we get to the end of that, we knocked out. Most intimate relationship, God the Father, God the Son. It must have been a glorious thing to witness the Savior in prayer. Luke gives the idea. He says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Did you catch that? One of his disciples witnessed Jesus praying and he said, hey, Savior, hey, Master, hey, Rabbi, teach us how to do that. It's fascinating that we don't hear the disciples asking the Lord to teach them to preach, although I pray that all the time. They don't ask them to teach us how to prophesy. They didn't say teach us how to cast out demons, shaka Khan, shaka Khan, none of that. Teach us how to worship, how to witness, how to find my lane, start up a home fellowship, grow a church. But they asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I know we in church, but can we be real for a moment? There's a lot of things I would have asked Jesus for, and how to pray wasn't one of them. It wouldn't have been on the top of my list. What would have been on the top of my list? You know that thing you did with Lazarus? You got him out of the grave. Can you teach me how to do that resurrection thing? I want to be able to do that. I want to start a business. I want to put the funeral home out of business. Can you teach me how to do... I want to put life insurance out of business. Can you teach me how to do the resurrection thing? I want to to walk up and be like, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, y'all want to play games. You know if you had that power, couldn't nobody tell you nothing? Oh, I would have asked Jesus, teach me how to open blind eyes. Or Jesus, teach me how to open deaf ears, but they didn't ask them any of those things. They said, teach us how to pray. You ever been around someone who seems like they move heaven when they pray? I mean, you can feel the presence of God. Note that that the most powerful prayers is not so much in the content, but the most powerful prayers are those who have a relationship, I know some of you guys want to load your prayer up with expiation and propitiation and justification, and you think that God's going to hear you, but I don't care how many words you have. If you don't got a relationship with God, God doesn't hear from you. Think for a moment. Usually in day-to-day life, whoever has the relationship wins the day. Apply for a job. You can have all the credentials and experience in the world. But if you're up against someone who has a relationship with the manager, it is over. Friends, God doesn't answer our prayers because of our resume. God answers our prayers because of our relationship with him. We say it all the time. It's all about who you know. And I don't know about you, but I want to know the Lord of the universe. Friends, you should be asking, Pastor, how you know that it's about relationships? Excuse me, Pastor, where you get that from? Well, there's a little, a little window into heaven in the book of Daniel. It, it goes a little bit like this. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Don't let that pass you by. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved. Understand the words that I speak to you. And stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Christian, do you know that the relationship you have with God can move heaven? And to not take advantage of that is to be a colossal fool. Prayer changes things. God has given us complete access through the propitiation of his son. This particular prayer, this is Luke's fifth time mentioning Jesus praying. Jesus prayed often because he had a relationship with God. There's a lot of reasons I can try to convince you to pray. Pray because your life will be better. Pray because your problems will go away. This morning, I want to convince you to pray because of a relationship with God. Jesus didn't just pray because he wanted stuff. You can't say amen, say ouch. Or he didn't just pray because he was in trouble. Christians should pray because we have a relationship with God. When we pray, we are drawing near to God and fellowshipping with him. Now, let's be honest. It's hard to pray on the basis of relationship first. It's difficult, friends. Some of Jesus' most intimate moments with God is in prayer, but we have to be honest. Some of our most intimate moments with God is not because of prayer. It's because of crisis. The disciples long to have the intimacy Jesus had with the Father. Have you ever been so frustrated in your own mind, in your own soul, that you see other people praying as if they knew God, but deep down inside you felt like every time you pray, you were speaking to the wall? Have you ever longed to pray to God because of a relationship with him? Not falling to your knees because you're in some struggle or in some turmoil, but you fall on your knees because, God, I want to know you. I wish I had some people in the room that could testify that you got to get to a place that you long for him. So Jesus being gracious. Jesus could have told the disciples, man, move on, figure out your own prayer life. You know how long it took me to get here. No, Jesus, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus actually teaches them how to pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Although a better name would be his Model prayer. Because he says, when you pray, pray like this. Pray these kinds of things. He starts with praise and adoration, then petition, and then repentance. Note that Jesus didn't give us this prayer for us to repeat. Something that we can just ramble off to God. Hallow be your name. Your kingdom come. Amen. That's the most boring relationship I have ever had. If you're just repeating what I said to you, no life, right? But that's not why Jesus gave it to us. But Jesus says, hey, man, if you're going to know how to pray, you're going to have to learn how to prioritize your prayer life. Check it out. It goes a little bit like this. Here's Jesus' first lesson to the disciples. Father, hallowed be your name. Hallow be your name. God, your name be honored. Your name be feared. Your name be exalted. Your name be praised. Don't come to God first with your stuff, acknowledge Him as the Almighty. Okay, I knew you guys would need help on this. I got a 14-year-old daughter. And this girl got the nerves to sit in my house and sometimes not to acknowledge me. Ain't said nothing to me all day. Then go say, Daddy, can you get me this? Girl, you ain't said nothing to me all day. I ain't getting you jack. Yeah, I said it just like that. You ain't getting nothing. Then she go upstairs with an attitude and then gave me a pronoun for a name, him downstairs. Uh-oh. Like I ain't got no name. Going up there talking to the cat, cat, like, what's wrong with you? Him downstairs don't want to get me nothing. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I almost lost. I got to be honest. Yeah, we family here, right? I about lost my mind. Oh, I almost didn't have that fruit of self-control. I <laughs> almost went up them stairs. I'm so glad God ain't like me. Because for some of us, God would be like, boy, if you don't get up out of here. But Jesus says, you acknowledge your daddy. Before you ask him for anything. Then he says, your kingdom come. Friends, we shouldn't be praying for our will to be done. But we need to be praying for God's will to be done. Friends, some of the most frustrated people in life are those who think that life is all about them. You keep governing your life as if you're the center of the universe. And see, won't you be frustrated over and over and over again? Jesus says, pray for the will of God. Now let's move on. To our knees. Father, we've acknowledged you. Hallowed be your name. Father, your kingdom come. But God, you know we're human and we got knees. We're not like you. We're not self-sufficient. We need from your hand. So what does he say? Say, give us each day our daily bread. You know that food in your belly this morning? That air that you're breathing? That came from God. And so we ought to acknowledge him every day. We have what we have. There's some people who, who uh, don't have a house to go to. Don't have a, can, can, can I just pause here for a minute? There's some people who don't have a car to drive. There's some people tomorrow morning, they ain't got a job to go to. There's some people who ain't in their right mind. There's some people who ain't got their health. And sometimes we walk around as if God is supposed to give those things to us. And in fact, God shouldn't give us nothing. But yet he said, come to me, because he's a gracious God. Well, not only that, and forgive us our sins. We sin every single day. But don't just ask God to forgive you of your sins. God says that you need to forgive others. Some of y'all just did a hard swallow. And don't forget to ask God for protection. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus teaches his disciples first and foremost to prioritize their prayers, God first, and then your needs. But I want to give y'all some comfort in the room because if you're like me, you're looking at Jesus' prayer life and you're looking at how he told them to prioritize things, I want to encourage you that the disciples were no awesome prayer warriors starting out in the ministry. If you recall, Jesus, in his darkest hour, getting ready to go to the cross, getting ready to take on the shame of the world, his homeboys, his inner circle, the dudes that he kicked it with, those who he woke up and ate fruity pebbles and cereal with, I probably shouldn't say Fruity pearls. That sounds a little soft. How about Captain Crunch? Jesus ate Captain Crunch with, you know, guys that he kicked it with at the dinner table. I'm talking about his in crowd. He gave them the secrets. Before he, he, he interpreted any of his parables to anybody else, he told it to these guys. And here it is. Jesus in his darkest hour. And you would expect that those who are close to you to be there for you. In your darkest hour. But instead, these jokers sleep. Jesus sweating blood and they sleep. Boy, I would be so mad. Y'all over there getting y'all Z's on and I'm about to die, man. Y'all can't pray for a brother? If you can't get me out of it, at least pray for me. They over there having dreams, man. Friends, what it goes, to show that people in the Bible ain't perfect, they like you and me. You ain't never fell asleep on God in the middle of a prayer. I'm talking about go, wake up an hour later, slob coming down. What was I at? Now I lay down to sleep. Well, he answered that prayer. He laid me right on down because I was gone. Don't tell me God don't answer prayer. I ain't slept that good in my life. I thought I was on anesthesia. I was gone. Uh, Hello. I'm back. All right, let me bring it in. Let me bring it in. Let me bring it in because I'm supposed to be up here preaching. So priority, and then Jesus teaches them about persistence. If you're anything like me, after I prayed once, I'm looking for immediate results. Your God shouldn't take you that long to answer it. When we don't get it, we're like, we've been praying forever, and forever means I've only been praying one day. And God still ain't moved. Knowing we only prayed like twice for it, and we look, we look for it. God doesn't answer us, we take it into our own hands. We often give up on prayer too early. We often say amen too early. God has not called us just to throw a prayer up, but God has called us to be consistent. Jesus puts it like this. He gives a hypothetical scenario to teach us the importance of persistence in prayer. He says this in the verse, drop your eyes down, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves? For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And He will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. If you look at the parable, my first question is, why is Cuz coming to his house so late? It's midnight. I'm asleep. What are you doing traveling in the middle of the night anyhow? I don't know about you, but if you show up at my house at midnight and I'm asleep, The last thing you're going to get out of me is godliness. (laughs) Can we be real in this place? Can we be honest in this place? God shows up in the middle of the night to stay at his friend's house, but it was customary in Jesus' day that if somebody shows up at your house, you were to be hospitable. Hospitality is way different than how we treat it here in America. Hospitality was important. To not be hospitable was to bring shame upon yourself. The reason why this guy may have been traveling in the middle of the night in Jesus' scenario is because of the heat of the day. And so oftentimes people would travel at nighttime in order to avoid the heat. Y'all know how it is. In the middle of August, some of us are not going out until nightfall. Or some of us are carrying around umbrellas and it ain't a raindrop nowhere because we don't like the sun. So we can relate that this guy comes to his friend in the middle of the night. And so his friend, wanting to be hospitable but not having the necessary means to provide for his friend, goes over to his homeboy house next door. He knocks on his door. My man is knocked out and he says, hey, bro. My friend just showed up. I need three loaves of Wonder Bread you, or, or, you know, an our day. You got some brown sugar. You know what I mean? So he comes up, and, and, and he asks him, hey, can you help a brother out? And what does he say? Go away, brother. You know what time it is? An hour ago, and, and we losing an hour today. i don't get on up out of here. But instead of the guy leaving, what does he do? He stays there. He opens his mouth again. Friend, I need three loaves of bread. He continued to knock. He continued to be persistent. And the reason he continued to be persistent, because he knew that his friend had the resources to provide for his needs, Friends, if you believe that God has what he said that he has, will do what he says that he will do, you won't give up in prayer so easily. You'll keep knocking and you'll keep asking because God, if you don't give it to me, no one else can. But God doesn't want us to be persistent because we need to convince God to be gracious. God is already gracious So, Lord, why do you want us to be persistent? Usually when God uh, 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 is requiring us to be persistent, it's because God wants to change something inside of us. God wants something to change inside of us. Imagine if God answered all your prayers right away. Can we be real this morning? We'll get what we need and God won't hear from us until we needed something else. But God is trying to do something in the inside of us. In our persistency of prayer, we're learning to lean on him. We're learning to trust in him. We're learning that he's the vine and we're the branches. We're learning that he's the bread of life and he's the living water. and, And apart from him, we can't do nothing. God wants us to learn to abide in his presence, to abide in his glory and persistency. Create something inside of us. It breaks us of our self-dependency. It breaks us of our need to be in control all the time. And it develops something that Peter said that is greater worth than gold. What is that, Pastor Dexter? It develops faith in the inside of us. But we learn to lean on him. Friends, you're going to have to Learn. How to fall on your knees and stay on your knees. One preacher said that we fight the battle strongest and tallest on our knees. God calls us to be persistent. Here's the other thing Jesus wants us to know that if persistency can work between two evil men, if we're persistent, with evil people, and they give to us. How much more will God give to us? I got an eight-year-old son, and ain't nobody taught me persistency like Dakai Harris. (laughs) Y'all know that toy. They call them Beyblades. Y'all ain't heard of them. Okay, let me me bring it back. Let me get everybody on the same page before I drop the analogy. Y'all remember them little spin tops? You take it, you spin it, and you and your friends go to battle all day. You spin it, and boom, there they go. Well, they have upgraded them. It's called Beyblades. They put them on a little launcher. You pull the string, and those things, they in a little arena, and they start battling. Dakai asked me for months, Daddy, can you get me a Beyblade? No, Dakai, I can't get you a Beyblade. Daddy, can you get me a Beyblade? No, Dakai, I can't get you a Beyblade. That boy set me up one day. <laughs> I went on my laptop one time. Guess what was pulled up and left there? (laughs) In big picture. He had it in the big picture. A Beyblade. Man, they hit my heart something and I ordered that Beyblade. Jesus is saying your father loves you. And if you stay persistent and consistent in prayer, God is going to give you what you need. Do you believe in prayer, friend? Do you believe in prayer? I know we say it, but can I ask you on a serious level? Do you believe it? Do you live like you believe it? Are you consistent like you believe it? There was an old tale. It went a little bit like this. It told about a small town that had historically been dry. But then a local business decided to build a club. A group of Christians from a local church were concerned and planning an all-night prayer meeting to ask God to intervene. It just so happened that shortly thereafter, lightning struck the club and it burned to the ground. Imagine that. The owner of the club sued the church. It's real out here in these streets. Claiming that the prayers of the congregation were responsible, but the church hired a lawyer to argue in court that they were not responsible. The presiding judge, at his initial review of the case, stated that no matter how this case come out, one thing is clear. The club owner believes in prayer and the Christians do not. Well, let that sit on you. Be careful what you pray for. May get sued. Don't pray for your friend to lose their job or your enemies and nothing like that. You may get sued. Friends, don't ever stop believing in prayer. I wish I had some people in here like Jacob. I won't let you go until you bless me, Lord. I don't care. About nothing else, Lord, I, I, I'm going to cleave to you. I'm not leaving until I get the bread that I came for. Some of us have prayed 15, 20 years for our spouse to be saved, and now they're in church today. Some of us have prayed long for our babies to come to Jesus, and, and 10, 15 years later, they come to the Lord. Sometimes God is working in the background in ways that you cannot see. Let me help you out. I used to work in theater, and everybody would see what was happening on the stage, but no one seen what was happening in the background to get ready for the next scene. Sometimes God is at work in the background setting things up for the next scene. You don't see it, but he's working. Persistence is an indication of our soul's confidence in God. You may ask the question, what if I'm praying, Pastor? God is not answering. This may not be an answer for every situation, but it is an answer to take into consideration. I know you might be saying, I've been persistent and nothing's happening. Let me ask you this. Are you praying with the right motive? What if I pray and pray for something, but God still has not answered me? According to the book of James, he says, you have not because you Ask not, but when you do ask, you ask wrongly to spend it on your selfish pleasure. Oftentimes, our prayer consists of pushing forth our own kingdom, pushing forth our own comfort, pushing forth our own pleasure. A lot of us, we may pray for a promotion so we can stunt on our haters. We want to get that house so we can prove to people that God is on our side. God ain't going to answer those kind of prayers. Sometimes God doesn't answer your prayers because you're acting with impure motives. Our hearts are not in the right place. But Jesus goes on. After his disciple had asked him, not only did he teach him priority, not only did he teach him persistency, but he taught him about God's promise. Look, drop your eyes down at the verse Jesus promised us we will receive what we ask for. And I tell you, ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus encourages our persistency because of God's promises. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. If we are persistent, we will obtain what we are seeking for. But let me note here, Jesus is not giving us a blank check. We don't get to ask whatever we want and get it. God is no genie. A similar misuse can, 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 can be seen in John 15, 7, where Jesus gives a similar promise. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Amen. Ask whatever I wish, and it shall be done for me. But you got to keep reading. 1 John gives clarity. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask, present tense, anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, present tense, we know that we have the request which we have asked, perfect tense, from him. But let's keep going. The scripture is clear. We know that we, if we ask what? According to his will. See the condition, friends. That God answers prayers according to his will. You can't be out of whack with God's will and expect God to work on your behalf. Father, bless me with a divorce. Come on, y'all. Father, strike down my enemies. Father, help me to cheat on my taxes. I mean, just blind their eyes so they can't see it when they look at it. We ask those things. God is not working on your behalf. But, friends, something happens when the people of God pray to God and their prayers line up with the will of God. Oh, I bought a witness because I figured you guys might not believe me. Let me go over to Hannah in the Old Testament. Hannah pleaded with God concerning her barrenness. So great was her passion that the priest Eli said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Did y'all catch it? That lady was praying so hard that the priest said, she owns some wine. Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I am pouring out my soul to the Lord. But not only was she pouring her soul out to the Lord, she says that I'll give the son to you, God, for your glory, for your purpose. Let's go over to Ezra. Ezra weeped over the nation of Israel, wanting Israel to be restored. And God blessed Ezra. Why? Because he was praying according to his will. And Israel was the glory of God. Nehemiah faces said he prays to the Lord restore the walls of Israel and what does God do? God moves on his behalf. Friends, when we pray according to God's glory God moves on our behalf. (laughs) Something happens when our passion for God lines up and our life is consumed with one thing God your will be done. You say, well, Dex, if my life is consumed with the glory of God, what about me? I'm glad you asked, friends, because over in the gospel, Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God first and everything else will be added to you. God ain't, it ain't complicated for God to provide for you. In fact, the Bible says, what does worrying do? Can you add to your life by worrying? God wants his people to be consumed with his will and with his glory. And too often many of us in the room, we're so, we're, we're, we're so consumed with praying for things and not seeking the will of God. You're so focused on when will I be married? Or when would I get this? Or when would I get the promotion? Friends, focus on God. And let God take care of what you need. Donald Gray Barnes stood in the pulpit in 10th Presbyterian Avenue Church and shocked his congregation by announcing prayer changes nothing. He did not make this statement for shock value. Barnes House sought to communicate the fact that God changes things, not prayer. Friends, the person who changes things is God, not your prayer. What is our ultimate confidence in when we pray? Ultimate confidence is, is that he's a good, good father. Jesus goes on to say, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, God is intrinsically good. There is no evil in God. Jesus is like if the father who are evil generally give good gifts to their children, how much more will God who is good, Give good gifts to his children. Jesus appeals to the nature of God. He appeals to the goodness of God. Friends, do you know that God is good? And we say God is good all the time. But oftentimes we question God's goodness if he doesn't give us what we need. Oftentimes we we take up offense with God if God doesn't give us what we need. I told y'all this story a long time ago, but my two-year-old daughter swung on me because I didn't give her that cookie. She said, Daddy, can I get a cookie? No, Lila, you can't get no cookie. And swung on me, tried to take me clean out a two-year-old. Why she swing on me? Because in her mind, she needed that cookie because that cookie was good for her. But in Daddy's mind, Baby girl, you don't need a cookie, you need vegetables so that you can grow and be stronger. And we laugh at the two-year-old, but oftentimes we swung at God before. We got mad at God before, turned away from God because God didn't give us the cookie that we were asking for. But friends, I came to tell you that your father knows what you need and he knows it better than you know it. He's far greater and far wiser and far stronger than you are. And we got to realize that God knows what we need before we ask him. But what I find interesting is that Jesus says that your father gives the Holy Spirit. Where you come up with that from? Nobody said anything about asking for the Holy Spirit because the greatest thing that God can give you, watch it now, hold your shout, the greatest thing God can give you, friends, is himself. I thought I would have had some more amens in here. I said the greatest thing that God can give you is himself. I don't know what you've been asking for. I don't know what you've been pleading for. But as far as for me and my household, our plea is that God will give us more of, more of him and more of him and more of him and more of him until our cup run it over. Oh, and it's enough of Jesus to go around the road. There's enough for you. There's enough for you. There's enough for you. There's enough for you. Ask, and you shall receive. Shake down, pressing together. Over God, give us more of you, more of your love, more of your joy, more of your peace, more of your goodness, more of your worship, more of your praise. God, fill us until we're not filled with anything else. Empty us of everything that is not like you. Fill me with your glory. Fill me with your praise. Fill me with your majesty. Make me a witness to the world, a witness to the nation. Fill me until my selfishness diminishes. Greater is him that is in you than the one that is in in the world. I love the way that John the Baptist put it. He said that I must decrease so that he might increase. God increase inside of us. Into the sin that we struggle with is no longer stronger than us. God decrease us and increase you. Until that selfishness and that self-centeredness begins to be dissolved by the glory of God. Oh, Moses said, I don't care about you sending me to no promised land. I don't care about no land flowing with milk and honey. If you don't go, I don't want to go. God, I don't care about no job and no car. If I ain't got you, I don't want anything else. I wish I had a church that will say God over money. God over jobs. God over health. Friends, the true testimony of whether we are seeking his face, the true testimony of true Christian living is that God becomes most valuable in your life. And I'm afraid that we got some repenting to do in this church because we didn't put so many things over God. Things that cannot satisfy. Things that cannot help us. But what's the link here, friend? Nothing will humble you like prayer. Father, we are empty. We are nothing without you. Forgive us that our requests have been selfish. Our requests have been sinful Father we turn our hearts and our eyes by your grace back to you we say God fill us with your spirit the point that it overflows make us like you we know that we have access to this to your throne of grace for you have made him who knew no sin to be sin, that we might become the righteousness of God You said, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. You say that those who come to you will never hunger again, will never thirst again. Father, would you pour down your spirit in this place and in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls. Father, push us beyond religious church, mechanical Christianity religiosity but God press us into the presence of you may we know you your ways are higher than our ways you know the way that we take when you have tried us we shall come out as pure gold have your way in this place sweet holy spirit can we worship God this morning We'll worship him in such a way as we worship, we pray God pour down on us. Fill us with more of you. Open the eyes of our hearts. Stir our affections for us.